Hi, my name is Kaisa van Overbeek, and welcome to Rough Around the Edges, the podcast on which we share the journeys of amazing dog guardians and their amazing dogs who, like the name of the podcast says, are just a little rough around the edges. And it's completely by accident, but kind of super fitting that this episode should air in June which is Pride Month, as I'm talking to Ayren about his dog Pili and basically about the intersection of life with a dog and life as a queer and trans person. What you will also hear is me mess up Ayren's pronoun at the end of the recording. And we decided to leave that in as an example to you of what you can, could or should do if it should happen to you. The short version of it is correct yourself, don't make a big fuss about it, and move on. Anyway, I think there's lots of golden nuggets in this recording. I loved talking to Ayrin. I hope you enjoy the episode. Here it goes. I know firsthand that when you're raising a challenging, reactive or aggressive dog, that life isn't all unicorns and rainbows. But I also know that it helps to hear other people's stories. My name is Kaiser van Overbeek, and on this podcast we share stories of the force-free training journeys of amazing dogs who are just a little rough around the edges. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Rough Around the Edges. Um, today, in keeping with the tradition of almost never interviewing people who live in the Netherlands, I am talking to Ayren from the south of Spain um, about all kinds of things, of course, about his dog Pili. But before um, going there, I just want to kind of say how I found Ayren. Um, and this is actually through Instagram, like so often and I probably she clicked. found me on the streets I found you <laughs> found him on the streets yeah <laughs> um, um, I don't know like I probably clicked through like other people's Instagram and saw who they were liking and then I came across amazing um, cartoons and it's not just amazing cartoons of dogs and actually a lot about the dog guardians mindset when it comes to their dog which of course appealed to me um, right away but then also in the description of those cartoons is usually lots of like, very detailed and very thorough information with links to scientific articles that you know like I geek out on stuff like that so I love that and I was like okay I'm just gonna reach out and I'm <laughs> gonna say hey do you want to come on the podcast and luckily he said yes um, so I didn't just over to you introduce yourself please uh yeah well um thank you for those compliments um yeah i'm aiden i um i am a bi technically i'm a biochemist and i studied also like a master's degree in biotechnology then in 2020 which is not original i know i had a breakdown and said i don't want to do this anymore and I started like posting my art online. I've always done art and um, started posting it. And, you know, talking about the science of uh, behavior and all, I'm not a dog trainer, 
but I am a dog person and um, yeah, I'm just really interested in science in general and, and behavior science in particular. And I kind of found this uh, niche where I, um, because a lot of dog trainers, you know, they're, they're working, they're with the clients and they don't have that much time for the social media aspect of it. And if they do, they're more like, um, you know, sharing their, their stuff. But I thought that there was a need for talking about the science of behavior there uh, because there's so much misinformation there. And I'm, I'm, I love it. I'm, I'm really happy with where life has taken me. Um, it's, you know, it's, I'm trying to make it work out financially, but I'm, you know, so excited to be doing what I'm doing. I think I have an amazing job. Well, I sure appreciate it. I sure appreciate reading um, your texts and seeing everything and, and all the information you're putting out there. And I'm just wondering, like, what in the end contributed to you like, making the jump and saying, hey, I'm just not going to be, you know, working at whatever big biotech company there is around, um, but I'm going to follow my heart. Um. I, I'm not sure. I think um, a lot of it has to do with the way I um, relate to people. Like I'm not the best like in groups and I just, um, you know, science is, it shouldn't be, but it's really competitive. It's a really competitive environment and I do not thrive in competitive environments at all. I can work with groups of people, but I need like to be, I, I need to be, feel part of a team and not like uh, we're gonna bite each other at, in the neck all the time. And science should be like that, but unfortunately it isn't. And I just wasn't happy. And, um, you know, I started posting on my account just for fun. And I realized, well, this makes, makes me happy and I'm good at science, but you know, just because I'm good at science doesn't mean that that's what I need to be doing. And, you know, at, at, in the end of the day, and I, I'm kind of doing science, I'm not doing science, but I'm doing science communication, which is equally important. For sure. Um, I mean, even just, I don't know if you um, um, read the articles that came out, must have been like two weeks maybe before we, before today on um, how breed isn't so important yeah. <laughs> to, um, uh, to how your dog behaves and, and uh, all the issues that may or may not come with that. And I have yet to read the original scientific article. I have it printed out lay, laying on my desk. But the media jumped on top of that. And I was like, okay, I am sure there is some overgeneralization here and some like jumping Always. off. Board. I don't know if you had a chance to look at the article yet. I haven't not. read it yet, but I'm not surprised just because um, the way we breed dogs. So uh, when we are considering like what's uh, many bias, biases come here in, at play when the scientists decide what uh, what is a purebred dog. So are we looking at ethical breeders, breeders exclusively? Are we looking at dogs that you can like, that, that come from pet stores or more, you know, sketchy backgrounds? So I have to look into that to draw any conclusions. And I also have to read the article to see what the scientists say, because a lot of times um, you read an article and the conclusions are like really... Um, how do you say that? Like cautious, like they are really like, we think this is what this means. And meanwhile, like um, in the media, you see scientists have found 
that. unequivocally that uh, this means that and the science community is like uh, scratching walls and saying no that's not what we said but it's it happens all the time yeah it was in our conclusion and we said we need further research to yeah. to determine whether this is true or not yeah i think actually that's already interesting where you say like, it it even starts with us questioning what is the breed like if we're gonna compare breeds to Uh, let's uh, let's call it like kind of rudely mutts um like when is when is something something i didn't i don't even like saying that about living being uh, when is yeah. a dog uh, a golden retriever and when not you know when yeah do i don't know it? maybe they did um only like study like um dogs from you know breeders but i i have no idea so that's something like like pop into my head i just haven't had time to read the article yet I'll do it, I think, after Pride Month, because Pride Month is going to be just <laughs> working, 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 which is uh, fun, I guess, because um, I am a queer person who should be enjoying himself, but I won't be enjoying myself. So in July, uh, maybe I'll talk about um, dog breeds. <laughs> yeah, because you do a lot of, like, on your Instagram, there's a lot of um, uh, a mashup between um, LGBTQ um, sort of communication or communication on that topic on belonging and um on and dogs yeah and and um like like maybe maybe before i ask you how um or how that interaction is working for you and like i know you have thoughts on that um maybe this is where i ask you to talk about your dog a little bit and introduce yeah. your dog into the conversation because if oh. people are following you uh, like they will see some very cute pictures like I don't know any dog that can show their teeth the way your dog can, but yeah she's uh, great at showing those teeth uh, she should have like a page on only teeth or something um she uh, my dog is called Billy she I adopted her when I was uh, too young and um she was 11 months old seven years ago Uh, so she's eight now. And um, yeah, I adopted her from a shelter that was um, just full of dogs. And um, they weren't the most responsible. They just let this um, kid just get a dog. Um, and uh, she, they didn't tell me anything about her. And later I found out she had never been inside a ho house. She was um, really destructive. Uh, she, she just didn't know how to interact with people. She was not the best with dog. She was not the best with cats either. Um, she just had, um, you know, a lot of behaviors that were a problem to me. And I didn't know how to deal with that. So I went on this stereotypical journey of having a dog that pushes you to learn about dogs. Because I had dogs before, like family dogs. And they were like, I had a dog. We had a dog that was super reactive, but it wasn't a problem, you know? how dogs can be like um very reactive but not really cause any issues because you can just avoid the triggers or whatever but billy was uh, unmanageable like completely wild <laughs> so she pushed me into learning about stuff and now we're doing great i mean now she just loves um sleeping and that's what she does and um <laughs> uh, yeah she doesn't destroy my property anymore which uh has been done wonders for our relationships so Pili is the queen of the relaxation protocol. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, now? yeah, yeah. She is. She is. She is uh, like, I wish I was her. I mean, she just sleeps all day and the rest of the day, she's a little bit wild. But, you know, in a much more um, controlled way, I guess. I, I don't like say control, but you get me. 
Yeah. So how did how did that training journey go? Because I know you're an advocate of force-free training. Was yes. this always the case? Have you tried this from the start or how did that come about? Not at all. Um, I um, just used like the methods that are used like where I live, uh, which is it, we don't really use tools much like aversive tools, but we do use rely on punishment a lot to interact with dogs. So we like shouting and leash jerks and all. And Pili was not taking any of that from me. Um, I guess like this is a story that I tell myself. This is not very scientific, but I always thought like um, she had been on her own for a long part of her like adolescence. So she was like, I don't need you. I don't need this person to come into my life and like um, uh, punish me for everything. And she had been living by herself. So I think, and she was doing well. Like she, she wasn't those, uh, one of those scrawny dogs that you find. She was chasing rats and living her best life, I guess outside so um yeah she wasn't taking any shit from me and um I'm glad she didn't because she pushed me to find something that actually worked and didn't shut her down but instead like um it helped me like understand her and it helped her understand me so I came across the first free community through YouTube seeing Emily Larlam's videos like yes. Kiko Pop if Kiko you Pop, yeah. yeah and I was like oh you can you can use food like you can it's this is not cheating okay and um since I at that point I was already in my degree my biochemistry degree I got into the behavior science uh part of it and I was like thrilled like oh oh my god this is actually interesting and that's how I um from there it, it was just um so good like we had bad days but um just, you know, changing my mindset to understand her a little bit better. And like, instead of trying to change her, just um, like trying to live together, you know, that uh, was everything, like the change everything between us. And now we're like inseparable. We're just best buds. Wow. And how long do you think, how long did that journey take? If you think I, back? I'd say a couple of years, like, um, from I got her and I, it took me like six months to say, okay, this isn't working. I need to find something else. And from there, um, I'd say it took me like a year and a half to actually like, um, you know, change my own mindset and um, the way that I just talk to her. Like uh, <laughs> when you have been taught all your life to treat uh, dogs or humans or whatever, a certain way, it's a long process to like, um, change everything about that and you have to stop seeing your dog as an extension of yourself and that as a this creature that should be a robot and obey you and just seeing them as independent that was that was a big thing and it took a while do you think there was any any specific moment that was pivotal or was it really a gradual process I think it was really gradual I think it was um just and I'm really almost like natural like um so every, every day I'd get out and maybe something will f- frustrate me about her walk or about whatever. And then like gradually I was like um, starting to uh, understand her and um, those moments, those little moments of frustration, which um, isn't the best way to progress, I know, but uh, they did make me think about it. And the longer I thought about it, the more my mindset changed. But it was really gradual, really, really gradual. 
So you were almost using the moments that you felt frustration as information to yourself and saying, Hey, why am I yeah. frustrated? Where's this coming from? And how can I look at this differently? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. And also I want to say, um, so I learned about the science of um, dog behavior and, you know, just learning in general, but that science doesn't really, it can inform your decisions, but it not, it's not a moral compass. So when things really changed for me, when I started like learning from people on Instagram about mindset, because it's, they are two different things. Like, um, so methodology and like the way you try to approach behavior change is one thing and then why you're doing that behavior change and should you be trying to change this behavior or that behavior that's another thing so i learned i learned a lot from instagram yeah i totally agree that the mindset part is incredibly important i think it it starts really with not seeing dogs as beings that are just supposed to do our bidding yeah um, but as the sentient beings that they are and then trying to see, okay, how can we meet your needs and how can we meet my needs as well? Because it's, yep. and, and how can we find a balance? I'm wondering, because you already alluded to that and we talked a little bit, like very briefly about it at the beginning, um, that do you see um, similarities there, like between how you're treated and the, the journey that you're on as a queer person? Like did did that happen? Like, because I'm, I imagine, and I'm saying this like from a purely 100% privileged position, and I'm probably going to mess things up and maybe I'll ask you some questions that you're going to say, okay, clearly person, <laughs> really, you need to work on <laughs> yes, okay. shit to work on. And then please tell me and I will. Um, but I imagine that it's not always easy um, living in society that is really just sort of based again like uh, on you know husband wife type families yeah. things like that oh absolutely yeah. um and and is there something of that that you took or that you then see in your relationship with pili that uh, yeah okay. um just uh you know being kind is the biggest thing like being kind to yourself and your dog and uh, like i think that um false retraining and positive reinforcement like uh, they are um incredible once you realize that this is not a dog thing like this is um a learning thing and an animal thing and we're animals too you know and just um that uh, the way I interact with people has definitely changed but yeah I like on the other side of things like I encounter punishment all the time because I have to get out three times a day with uh, her because I don't have a yard and so I have to get out with her and I look very queer and I talk very queer and I'm like, just, um, you know, I kind of put myself, I, I don't want to say that. Okay. Let me think how I, how to say that. Like I, um, experience a lot of situations of my day-to-day -day life where I am, um, you know, in danger. I, I, I sound dramatic, but it's true. <laughs> I don't know. And, uh, yeah, I'm also like a walking stereotype in some ways. So I'm like the queer, uh, person that's obsessed with their dog. And like, um, you know, if I go to a cafe, I take a mat for her. I bring water for five minutes, like a five minutes coffee. She has her water. She has streets. So, you know, that also um, invites people to be assholes. <laughs> and that's uh, kind of like something that I have to deal with in my day-to-day -day life. When you say they get invites people to be assholes, like did, 
can you do you have an anecdote where somebody then just came up and said something or did something yeah i mean like <laughs> it's really hard to remember the specifics because this is something that happens a lot so but yeah i have like many times someone has told me like of course uh, you know the um, how to i don't know exactly how to say this because i don't want to people to flip their shit but um of course the lesbian quote unquote is um you know obsessed with uh, her quote unquote dog and whatever you know that and people come to you and tell you you're spoiling your dog and that happens to queer people way more and to women also so if you are either a woman or a queer person you encounter uh condescend con patronizing shit all the time and if you like um care for your dog and like show kindness to your dog and especially in the reactive moments so if Billy reacts and I instead of um you know being reacting angrily at her I just um I am understanding and I try to get her to calm down then people are like of course of course the queer person is um you know not being um the disciplining you know authority that they should be it's you know it's just something that happens all the time. It's not a, a specific moment, it's every day, <laughs> which is frustrating. And I'm sure you have a, a experienced that as well, like um, the, the patronizing, you know, stuff when you don't punish your dog. For sure. I'm, I'm just, this, this is now like my, uh, I'm trying to process what you just said because yes, 100%, you know, like this is something that uh, a lot of people battle with that go down the mm. force-free route is the judgment by others by you know like your average other person on the street who will have something to say about it like you're spoiling yeah. your dog and you're making it you're making it worse you're you know you're like your dog is an, a, an aggressive whatever and they're gonna hurt someone and you're just feeding it treats well done you know well done <laughs> you and you're all the time oh my god uh uh, and I have to say, like a lot, a lot of people like react to this, like force free people. I mean, saying that you shouldn't care about what other people think. And I just have to say, like we are social animals. We care about what other people think, and you are not gonna stop caring what other people think. Uh, I don't think that just just don't care is the best strategy because it's not going to work. So you, for me, what works is just um, you know thinking about it and saying, okay, this person doesn't really understand what we're doing. And, um, you know, they probably have their own set of baggage, which I did have before this journey. So, you know, trying to look at that. And sometimes you can also think, well, they're an asshole. Like, that's okay too, like if you need it. But uh, just like the just don't care thing, I don't like that because you, you, are, never, you are never just not gonna care. That doesn't happen. No. I think it doesn't happen. For sure. Now I, I can, I can, I guess I can speak to that a little bit in what I like work on with my clients, because this is a recurring theme. And obviously this doesn't just um, apply to life with our dogs or being called names in the street, because of course it has to do with all kinds of criticism that we receive, not just yeah. um, our dogs. But I think there's always sort of like a two pronged approach to that. And like, one is just allowing yourself to be upset by someone yeah. saying something like that. Because like you said, yeah, it is our primitive brain that is going like, okay, ooh, um, somebody's not approving of what we're doing. This could mean yep. that we, you know, like we're going to be outcasts in, in the group because we are social <laughs> animals. So like, oh my God. And if we're not in the group, then we're going to die. You know, like our, <laughs> our, yeah. Like our, 
we're gonna die it's exactly like that it sounds so dramatic but it's, it's exactly like that it's like i'm gonna be an outcast forever nobody's ever going to love me and i'm gonna die alone because this person doesn't like that i'm uh, using a clicker it's exactly like that exactly that's, but it's <laughs> just but just to understand that that's our brain and that that is normal behavior that yeah. it just means like hooray you're a human <laughs> being yeah um so so that part and just being kind to yourself that yeah of course you're going to be upset about that and not making that mean anything I think that's the other thing because then it means like people will go like oh but I'm I'm, I guess I'm just not tough enough I guess I'm just not this or I'm not just that no it just means that you're human and your brain is working the way it is because you're afraid of you know like being and actually being like this obsession with being tough enough and you know that of just um not caring about anything that's um that's not okay like that's an individualistic mindset and it's also kind of misogynistic like everything gets associated to weakness and um it's not weakness to you know want a community and to like want to feel supported that's not a weakness that's normal no and this is the social conditioning that we've received you know like throughout the years like weak is not okay like and and this can come up just from kind of come from being a child and and crying and somebody just making an offhanded remark saying like uh, just you know like don't be a brat or just don't overreact or you're so or cry baby, yeah. Uh, yeah especially you cry if you're baby. a boy yeah all of that and then we internalize it and then it becomes this um yeah okay so that was like the, I was gonna say that was the one prong sort of of, of allowing yeah. yourself to feel that and realizing that that is okay yeah and then the other part is indeed of going like taking some distance and then realizing that this person is saying that from their convictions it says something about them it says absolutely nothing uh, about you like they may not understand what force retraining is and and or or the goals like um maybe that person's goal is to have a dog that doesn't bark ever and that's not my goal like, no. I just want my, go- my dog to be, you know, relaxed and happy and confident. Well, not, not necessarily confident, but you get it. And um, maybe that person's goal is to have a dog that heals and uh, doesn't really care. They don't really care how the dog feels. So we, we are talking, about, we're literally talking different languages. Yeah, for sure. And just being, and then just being okay with that and, and sticking to yours. Yeah. I want to say, but I think also what, again, what comes up with that is then, um, wanting to, <laughs> I, uh, people going the force free route are often very empathic people, and they just you know like want to save the world and save all yeah. the animals. So when they see someone react like that, it's like this this is not supposed to be that way. Yeah, I, <laughs> I it's like um, let me get close to the mic for this one. It's like I can fix them. It's yeah, exactly. Like I, I can fix this person. And like, it's, no, no, baby, it's not, it's not your responsibility to fix every single um, person who is being mean to you. You need to get like, yeah, get, um, over get a life. <laughs> yeah. You don't have enough lives to do that, you know? Yeah. So, so focus on touching people by just being you and focusing on that. Because I, I only realized that I think a little bit later on, but um, recently I've really gotten a couple of people in the street coming up to me and saying like, Hey, I always see you like with your dog on a long lead. And, um, like what, what is that? So really curious. Like I, I didn't try to yeah. convince anyone of like, this is what I'm doing, but people just by me sticking to what I want to do, come up and say, Hey, what's that? Or I even had somebody say, 
you know what? I think there's something to this, this thing with the treats that you're doing, because I've been yeah. trying it a different way and it doesn't seem to be working. Can you tell me a little bit more? And I was like, oh, so this is how you go about changing the world. It has to come from them. And uh, that's so much more productive. Like that time, you that five-minute conversation that you can have with someone about a long line is going to do much more than an hour-long argument on the internet. For sure. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I think, though, the other thing is, and I think that's why people... Um, also get a little bit insecure is okay so this person now shouts or says something and they go like well maybe they're right like maybe this and you know you start to doubt yourself so maybe this force free training mm. and i know for sure that this was true for me in the beginning like maybe this force free training isn't working maybe i'm kidding myself that i can uh you know like yeah and also training my dog like that force free training looks so much less dramatic so when i when like if Pili right now barks at uh, a cat and I just, um, you know, gently like guide her to me or, you know, toss trees or whatever, that doesn't look as dramatic as me yanking the leash or shouting. Like when you do that, you feel like you're doing something. And with force-free training, you kind of have to train yourself to feel like you're doing something. At least in my experience, again, I'm not a trainer, but that's how I felt. Like I felt like, am I even doing something just tossing trees? And I turns out I was because Pili just is so much better outside so it just um looks different looks so much different that's another it, thing the, am i really doing something like you we have this idea that it has to feel like hard or the yanking on a leash or it, it, it has to feel like i'm doing doing something but it yeah. can be very yeah i just i think i just even did a post on that like it can feel like smooth sailing it can just yeah. be cruising along and, and if it, it feels like smooth sailing that means you're doing it right like if if it's all it's, it is so dramatic all the time then your dog is probably like over threshold and you're not um you should like reconsider like what are, you are doing if it feels like smooth sailing then that means you're comfortable and but we are just so conditioned to not feel comfortable like we are just so afraid of that feeling of everything is okay and i don't understand why i, I guess it's because of tv and everything like everything that we have, have been like shown about dog training is so dramatic and it's that's not the reality or it should be yeah i think it might even go further than just dog training because we've I don't know, maybe this is too deep or but, but even in school, we're just trained for, I don't know, like in a, pushed in a certain direction that doesn't necessarily align with us. I think it already starts yeah. in school with like, no, you should just, you should choose the, the, the sciences because there's money in that. Or you should like somebody who absolutely, which by the draw. way, by the way, there is that's a, a lie. <laughs> that's a lie. Where's the money? Like I, I, uh, before like my breakdown, I tried to make money with science. That's a lie. Who is telling people that, that science gives you money? The, the big corporation get, get the money, but the scientists, the, we are not getting any money. That's Maybe. I, I, I changed my story. You should go into like economics or um, law. And there's <laughs> no, I'm just, but in general, right. It's like, we're being pushed in a certain direction or even like we're taught to uh, not be dreamers, uh, but just to choose sensibly. And I, so I think already from the start, we're not even like, even as the youngsters, not doing what is in alignment with who we are, which triggers that feeling. Yeah, of especially discomfort. for people 
um, especially for people who come from like more humble origins and they don't have like um, something to fall back on. So people whose like family doesn't have that much money, like you can just study liberal arts because what, what are you going to do? Like you might um, be lucky and do, get money with that, but mm, you might not. So I and I do understand like a lot, a lot of families um, just don't have that money to do whatever they want and that's that's very coercive like this system is very coercive in yeah, that and, way and, and there's a problem because then this discomfort becomes the norm and then yeah yeah when we get to the smooth sailing part we're like no this can't be right because i've been feeling the discomfort my whole life so i just i don't know what to do with this that's like, exactly this that's exactly how i feel whenever i get a commission like especially an, an expensive commission i'm like that this is this doesn't feel right i'm getting money like i'm getting paid for this that that like it's something still doesn't like fully work in my brain about that like it's like oh my god like I can do this like you're telling me I can do this <laughs> and it's it's sad because um it's especially sad in my case because a lot of people in my family are artists but not like full time so everything like everything you see here that's from my family like my family everybody paints everybody like either does music or whatever but nobody does it professionally because we always needed to have something like something that gets us money and that's sad that's very sad yeah but i think that that's also again that's a part where a, a privilege comes in i also yeah. and i i can't for the life of me come up with her name but i also follow a girl who has a reactive dog on instagram and she ties that into uh advocacy for people of color and and she also says like part of maybe um, ginger like ginger yes. yeah i think that's yeah I love what she's putting out Ginger there. Ginger is too. the dog, by the way. Ginger yeah, is the just, dog. <laughs> and, uh, and, and she just says like, yeah, some of that, like, like even you think that there is no link. Oh no, but, there always is a link. But like, there always, always is a link. Like dogs, yeah. for example, are like, are expensive. If you want to really care properly for your dog, there's a lot of money that goes into that. So if you are in a, in um, a marginalized group, then boom, there's your thing already because there is. Yeah, isn't... and a lot of people react to that saying, well, don't get a, get a dog if you don't have enough money. And that's not fair at all. Like, um, it's like with the problem with homeless people, like a lot of people, um, I see this a lot in Spain where like homeless people have their dogs, which are an incredibly important like source of support for them. And we have science on this. And um, people just say like, well, we can't have a dog living on the streets. And I'm like, no, we can have people living on the streets. Like, yeah, yeah. Do, do you care about the dog? <laughs> and they take the dog away, which is stressful for the dog and devastating for the person. And the person is going to still live on the streets. And that's um, like rescues who do that. Like, are they, that's incredible to me. That's like incredible. But yeah, a lot of the dog community is too centered on dog and they don't like see the links that everything is connected in this way. Like every little um, social aspect of humans is going to affect dogs because we um our social species and that's how it works yeah for sure and you you i think you also had a post on that recently where um you made the link between um a feeling of social belonging um yeah. for for people in the lgbt community and dogs can you like comment a little bit on that what that was yeah about? Uh, well i talk about that from my personal experience and also from the science perspective because um I'm so excited about this. Like the fact that we have science about this is so cool. Uh, but yeah, um, so there's this thing called perceived social support, which is um, just what it sounds like, like how supported you perceive yourself to be. 
And queer people obviously have a much lower uh, perceived social support because of we, all the microaggressions and the actual aggressions. And, um, you know, we tend to lose uh, a big part of our biolegal families when we come out. It's a whole thing. And um, <laughs> uh, sorry, it, I just um, I find it very funny saying queerphobia is a whole thing. Um, but yeah, it is. And um, pets uh, or companion animals it really um, get that perceived social support higher. So because we tend to consider them part of our families, we feel so much more supported. So pets are really important to queer people and especially to queer all older people. So I post a lot about that because there is a correlation. Like it might seem weird for a lot of people to say, why are you talking about queer, being queer and having a dog? What, what, what's the connection? But there is a, a really important connection. Like uh, caring for an animal is an exercise of agency for people. And agency is what, you know, makes us, I, I guess, wanna stay alive. Like. <laughs> It's huge, it's huge. And also there's also interactions that are not so positive. Like for example, in my case, having to go out also exposed me so to you know more aggressions. So that's um, a really complicated thing because I have a dog whom I adore and she makes me feel like I belong. At the same time, I have to get out with her and I have to have people chasing me and saying shit. So that's um, really, really hard. But I, I mean, in this case, in my case, at least the positive outweigh the negatives, but it's um, such an interesting topic, honestly. And I'm yeah. thrilled that there's research about it. Yeah, but uh, I'm, okay, just before we get maybe to the research, I'm just wondering, thinking back to the situation that you mentioned in the cafe where they were saying it's the lesbian, of course, yeah. who is just, uh, you know, like obsessed, over, obsessed with the dog. With the dog. Yeah. Um, I mean, somebody commenting on you pampering your dog just would already probably be like, uh, okay, where is this coming from? But for you, there was this whole, there's this whole additional layer of, yeah, of queer phobia, of queer phobia. And so Mm -hmm. how, how did that affect you? And how are you like, how are you getting over that? Are you getting over that? Well, Well, what's your mindset now? Uh, the first times that that happens because um there's this thing that happens that people know you're queer before you know that you're queer so before you even know what queer is you are already being called everything that you can be called so at first it was a lot of shame around that and a lot of shame around being soft and especially me as a trans guy because um as a trans guy I have to meet like a thousand times the expectations of masculinity that um, a cis guy has to meet. And that's uh, frustrating because I'm not a masculine guy and that's okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, there was a lot of shame and I just kind of isolated myself for a long time. And I um, just, you know, I always walk with my headphone on and I, I don't talk to anybody. And um, if someone addresses me on the street, normally I just walk on. It was a lot of shame that now, yeah, just now I'm starting to like, um, you know, get out of that shell, I guess, and um, be like, oh no, you, you have a problem. I don't have a problem. I don't have any problem with my masculinity and I don't have any problems with the way I treat my dog. You have a problem with me. So um, that mindset, mindset helps while also I have to consider like staying safe because, um, you know, I'm cheeky, but now I can't be that cheeky uh, at times because that puts you in danger. So it's... <laughs> It's just really hard being queer. <laughs> like, 
it's so hard like it's uh so cool and i'm really happy that um i am trans and i'm i'm like filled with queer joy most of the time but it's also really hard to know what to do and to stay safe and to get these comments all the time to the point where i've normalized it like um sometimes i say things that have happened to me and i like can hear the three straight head like heads like turning like you hit the yeah like what that has happened to you and i'm like yeah <laughs> that's life i guess uh so yeah but now i'm finally you know getting over that shame and understanding that i don't have a problem with who i am and with what i do so that helps a lot that's it especially in the social support part of it because um i used to feel like this weirdo and now i feel like everyone else is a weirdo yeah they're so out of touch with themselves you know like yeah. <laughs> ooh. But to me, I, it, it kind of hurts me. It doesn't kind of hurt me. It hurts me to hear you say that, yeah, I guess that's just life. Whereas obviously that shouldn't yeah, it be. Shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Of no. course it shouldn't be. But um, it is, especially in a small town, you know, and uh, that's like, I could be so angry about it. And so like um, hurt about it. But I like, I honestly, I'm at this point where I'm like, I'm just trying to move on and like, be my and you know just being myself in this town revolutionary and um while i do get those comments i also get you know young people saying like look at look how cool that guy is and that's a good yeah. thing that happens so it's not all negative but a lot of negative things happen i don't know yeah it's well it's interesting because I'm, i'm i'm wondering also how that um i guess how that plays out with with the dog i mean like in, in coaching a lot of what we say is okay it's a lot a lot of it is mindset and you just have to change your thinking about it and I guess that's true up to a point but I also um like had other people say um yeah that's kind of easy to say uh you know yeah. like when you're a, a straight white uh, rich person um but for example like Okay, this is not a dog-related example. But, um, there was something where where people said, "Oh, I, I have to like I have to take care of my children. I have to uh, make their their lunch boxes and and uh, because what if they go to school without lunch? You know, like and then as a coach, you would say, "Yeah, so what if they go to school without lunch? You know, like they don't eat for an afternoon. They're not you know like gonna die, and maybe the next day they're gonna figure out that maybe they can make their own lunch boxes. And you, as the working mom, for example, have time to work on your business." which would, you know, like this, this conversation would have come up from a time management problem. And then uh, like people of color would say, well, that's easy for you to say, but if somebody sees my kid come to school without oh, lunch, yeah. then oh, that yeah. has a risk of me having my kid being taken away yeah. because I'm not taking care of my kid properly. And I guess. It's yeah. You, you are judged differently if you're queer or if you're a person of color. Um, absolutely. Like uh, all the time. And I, like, I'm, a really soft person with my dog if uh, if you I don't know if that's what I should say I don't know but I am like really mindful of her but even if I wasn't that mindful like just uh being a little bit less um punishment based than the people in my town would have would already raise eyebrows at me it's just something that like happens do you so, think that there's a like you said you don't have to be mindful of the dangers also Yeah, are are they there in relation with with Pili as well, or is it more? Yeah, um, it's I because if I'm going out by myself, um, I know where I'm going out, I know what I'm wearing, I know how I'm gonna act, I know everything. 
However, with Billy, I have to get out every day and that's so much harder to manage. Uh, on the plus side, she's a big dog. So she kind of like protects me a little bit in that way, like just by looking like big and athletic, even though she's a big softy. Um, but yeah, uh, what was the question? <laughs> Uh, what was, uh, about like dangers and, and, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I have been like, I have been chased while working with Billy and I've have been like asked, are you a boy or a girl or and that kind of thing. And I like, I don't even know, like I can, I take steps to avoid that from happening, but that's not something like that's, a, that's the thing about queer phobia. You can escape. Like I can go to this magical place where there's no queer phobia. So that's kind of like, um, something that is always there and that's uh, really usually for these straight people that's um like mind-blowing like you live with that and I'm like yeah I live with that uh, check your peers I mean <laughs> you have to know someone who has called uh, somebody a dyke I mean you have to know someone what did you do because I'm the one that's getting called that or a uh, fag or uh, transvestite so you know um it's a little bit frustrating as a queer person to see how um, strange that is for these straight people, because it's like, it's you who are doing that. So how is, how is this news to you and not to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, okay, so I'm, like I said, I'm probably messing stuff up as well, right? No, no, no. I, I don't, I don't always know, like, and sometimes that's the, the problem, like, I, I, I always joke. I said, the only privilege that I don't have is that I'm not a, a guy, I think. And then and if, I, if I were a, a, a guy, I think I would be like in the, the, the privileged of the privileged, privileged <laughs> yeah. group. Yeah, for sure. You know, like I grew up with parents that could afford to send me to college. I got a yeah. good, you know, good brain on me. I, get, I got to study all of that. So I try to be mindful, but I also realize that just, I'm, I'm going to mess up. So the only thing that I, that, or the only thing, so the things that I do try to do is speak up and say, Hey, um, you know, like this is not okay. Or like, when that's I so hear... important. That's so important because that responsibility cannot fall onto us because whenever I, I do call people out, but whenever I do, I know there's a risk and that risk can go from anywhere to losing a friendship to like actually um, getting, you know, being in danger, in physical danger. So uh, it's really important for privileged people to call their peers out because it's really, and also it will likely make more of a difference because when I tell a guy um, not to say that I'm a crossdresser, um, like like I can say it and you can't, he's probably gonna lose it like um, and not listen to me. However, if his friend like comes to him and says, no, you don't say that, he's gonna listen to his friend. He's not gonna listen to me. I'm the crossdresser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that extends to our, our dog training too, you know, like just, just keep saying things, keep, and, and then probably yeah, do not, your thing, do yeah. your thing and let um, people's peers to be the one to educate them. And, um, you know, I do education online. Like I do, well, I do science communication um, and I let people come to me. I don't go to people to try to, you know, change their perspective because I'm not going to. I'm simply not going to. And it is the same thing with queerphobia. Like um, if something happens to me, I might say, so, say something, but I always say something knowing that the most likely um, result is going to be not a change at all. Yeah, it has to come from the other. It has to come from within the other person to want to change. So the only thing yeah. that we can do is show up, you know, as examples, 
I guess, of mm. who we of who we want to be and and what we want to put out into yep. the world. Um, one thing, again, like I love that, that you're always um, linking to to scientific pieces on when yeah. it comes to dog behavior. And and um, like you said, there was this research on um, social belonging for queer people. And was this research also on the effect that having a dog? Yeah. Had? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the research was um, the about there were like two different very good articles and it was one about like family, like what we consider to be family. And then the other one was about the social support aspect of um, being queer and having um, companion animals. And yeah, uh, the main things were that, um, so for on the one side, we are more, queer people are more likely than three straight people to say that companions and animals are part of their family because we have, we are kind of forced to have a different definition of family. And um, so that increases like the social support because you have a family member that doesn't judge you, you know, and that loves you and whatever. And it's also on the other hand, an exercise of agency because you have this being that um, depends on you and you um, kind of like, it feels like you can do something, you know, like you are affecting positively a life um, other than your own so you're like taking care of this animal and that's um that gives you like this feeling okay I can do things I can affect like my environment which is so important and it was a it was a great article it was great okay thanks for for that explanation because earlier you said um agency when it came to that and I was wondering like how what what do you mean by you know agency in that context but you just explained it so that saves <laughs> me from having to ask the question very cool and what about um so if I had to ask you like what's your favorite piece of um research that you've done a communication about or that you've you know turned into art that has to do with um dogs what would it be? Oh my God. Uh, I have no idea. You're putting me on the spot. Let me, <laughs> uh, I really love the, um, that there is research about, about the relationship between being queer and, um, um, and having uh, a companion animal. But I, I think my favorite thing, like the one, the one article that I was reading and I was like, Oh my God, this is incredible. was the one about predictability and control. So that's so interesting and it has nothing to do with being queer, but it's so cool because um, uh, there is, there, it was a really well-written article and um, it talked about uh, how we confuse sometimes something be, being predictable with something being in the individual's control. And it was uh, incredible because it showed that animals prefer um, aversive things happening to them when they are under their control even when their words are let me rephrase that so um this a true warning this um research with animals it's uh, always um sometimes hard to like hear but uh this was a review article and one of the um uh, experiments that they reviewed was this one with rats where they will um do like electrical sh- shock and um, the rats preferred to have a shock like I think it was five times as um, intense and five times as long. I don't know if I'm saying the number right, but um, so much stronger and so much longer if they could like um, know when it was going to happen to them. And that's like, that m- blows my mind. I, I mean, it makes mm-hmm. sense 
but that was like my favorite big thing to like um because it's like oh my god and we are like in our lives with dogs we introduce so much unpredictability into their lives and they like they don't know what's going to happen to them at any point because they depend on, on us so much and that has to be so stressful because they would prefer to have worse things happening to them if, if they it knew. was it if it was under their control so um, giving animals agency i feel it's like the most important thing and again not a trainer but um you know i live my life right now with dogs following that principle like what can i do to give this dog like choice and control and like what do you want to do do you have a practical example of how you're doing that with pili Yeah, just letting letting her choose when we're going on a walk. Like I ask her, I just I, I almost never will take her on a walk if she doesn't want to. Like unless like it's a special situation, like I have to work later and we need to like she needs to be. But mm, most of the time, I will ask her when she wants to go for a walk, and she's if she does any stress signal, like if she looks away or she leaps leap leaks we're not going and that's it and also i try to let her to lead the walk like where do you want to go you know and um also letting her choose what an enrichment activities we're doing like do you want to play with this toy you know just trying to um ask her things i feel like we don't ask things to our dogs nearly enough or we don't interpret the answer uh, well yeah. enough <laughs> yeah that's true too yeah because they are indeed they are so communicative and I think sometimes we read we read things into things because we want to, but I also sometimes catch yeah. myself saying like, okay, am I reading things into this? Am I interpreting this right or not? But very often, do I want this? Yeah, but yeah. sometimes it's just so obvious, like just like a really fun thing from, from Rusty. So we had to go. Um, like he's hurt his back; he's got a back injury, so <laughs> we had to go to the uh, uh, university hospital for some um, like checks and whatever. And they told me, okay, do not like no treats, really no nothing from 10 PM the evening before, just in case he, they're, you know, like going to do an MRI or something right yeah. away. And then he needs to be an exercise. So no treats, no reward I hate treats. That. I understand that it's, it needs to be done, but I hate when I have to fast feel it. It's like, no, no. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, this is a thing, right? Um, but okay, so I take him on his morning walk, like before, you know, having to drive to the clinic and he spots a cat in the distance and cats are like, all cats must die. Kind of that's his, <laughs> his motto in this, in this world. So, but he spots the cat, he like tenses up and you can see his mind go like, you know, like rattle, rattle, rattle. And he breaks the stare to the cat and he turns back to me and he looks up at me and, and when I'm you like, can't give a treat for that oh i my God. couldn't give him a treat and i was like this this would be like hive like you deserve chicken for this or i don't know what you deserve but this is like so i like, of course i praised the heck out of him and 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 I mean, he responded to that, but we, we kept walking and he just, if we're talking about communication, he just tapped my leg with his nose. <laughs> he was like, Hey, aren't you forgetting did, something? Lady? Yeah. Like, did, didn't you see what I just did? And he did it twice more, like really <laughs> kindly and gently, but he tapped my leg and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm not imagining right now that what he's saying to me is like, didn't It's you like, see how awesome I was? Like, 
aren't like, come on, like what's up here? You know? So like, yeah. I think you're forgetting something. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as yeah, is like that too. Yeah. Yeah. Pili is really communicated. I, I, I'm amazed at her because she does this, uh, a lot of funny things. And for example, these things she does, um, um, she hates picking things up. It took me ages to train her to pick things up. However, for some reason, when her, when she's hungry and she has eaten, but she's hungry and, um, she will pick a bowl up and we, I don't give her food in a bowl, but we have a bowl. We have the water bowl. She picks the bowl up and she brings it to me, uh, causing a mess in the process, but she's, it's just so funny. Like, hello, it's hilarious because like, Hey dad, um, I'm starving. And it's so funny. It's so funny. She also never barks. She's a, she's a dog. Like, um, she only barks when she's reacting or, or when she, um, what's one something very specific and there's a bark that's like means enrichment it doesn't mean like it doesn't mean food it doesn't mean training it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean go on a walk it means no i want the snuffle mat and it's so funny like they are so smart they are so so smart Isn't and cool? i'm i'm actually right now working on um some post about um dog domestication and it's so interesting how these um we were just two social species who liked uh, snacks and said hey want to hang out and they were like yeah and it's so funny like uh how much we understand each other just from that like that random evolutionary thing that happened that it could have not happened like it was just okay humans are moving around and they're leaving resources behind and these um dog ancestors were like oh i'm into that and that's so funny to me and so like cool. i don't know yeah now here we are yeah <laughs> here we are and, and these dogs that bark at us and bring us uh, water bowls. And and other things that maybe we're less happy about them bringing to us, especially if they're in pieces. Oh my God. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Although that. I do think you've made quite a couple of people jealous by saying that um, Pili hardly ever barks. They're probably like, oh. yeah, the, get a side phone. People get a side phone. They, well, actually, Pili breaks, uh, speaking about the breed thing, like uh, breed stereotypes and all. Pili breaks uh, like a thousand uh, um, hound uh, stereotypes because uh, she, that, I mean, I don't know what the definition of mellow is, but this dog is not mellow. Like that's not who she is. Uh, she's really wild and she's, she's um, a couch potato most of the time, but when she's awake, she is awake. So she, and she's not good with like, now she's good with children, but I wouldn't let, leave her alone with my niece, if you know what I mean. Like, um, <laughs> So she is not a stereotypical sidehound, but regardless, get a sidehound. They're great. Have we, have we even mentioned what, like, breed between, like, brackets? Believe? We think, like, visual breed identification is um, mostly bullshit. But um, in South Spain, it's really common to have this mix between Galgo and English Greyhound. And we think that's what she is because she looks exactly like one. But I don't have a DNA test. So that's like the theory. Yeah, you're good. your guess is as good as any. Yeah. So maybe this is a, a good moment because I want to be a little bit mindful of the time to wrap things up. And to yeah. luckily, I asked you at the start of the recording, like, did I tell you that I was going to ask <laughs> these questions? And I didn't. So you've had very little time to think about it. But I always I'm ask just going to wing it. Yeah, wing it. Yeah. Uh, um, to comment on the three words, always the same. Um, expectation, 
frustration and celebration um, when it comes to life with your dog? Hit it. <laughs> so my expectation will be to get better about my own frustration because I, um, I've made a lot of progress, but I still get frustrated and I'm like, oh, I want to kill someone. And I, I want to like um, tone it down and like feel my feelings while also like being a bit kinder because I can get um, not so kind when I'm frustrated. I'm not the best person when I'm frustrated. And what, so next one is uh, expectation. Um, frustration. Fr- well, frustration. That was kind of in there. <laughs> Your expectation yeah, was, was less frustration. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my God. My expectation was frustration. Oh my God. Um, my frustration is that I get frustrated and also that I said um, a frustration when I should say an expectation. Oh my God. My frustration is, I'm going to say we have people around me, which is something I cannot change, but I wish that people would just mind their business a little bit more or alternatively, uh, oh my God, that word, or uh, just be, I, I don't know, kinder and more open-minded. Like if you're going to approach someone in the street, at least um, be, you know, open to what they have to say, not just um, come here and lecture me. And my celebration is that I am amazed every day at how much Billy and I understand each other now. Like we have literally, like we have a, a secret language and we, like I understand her so well and she reads me like a book. It's amazing. And that's um, something that I celebrate every every day. Wow, that is an amazing note to end on. But I don't want to end completely because, of course, um, I want to ask you like where people can find you if they want to commission work from you. Um, you know, like plug the whole thing. Give it <laughs> okay. to us. So um, my when I started this, I thought that my page was going to be in Spanish ex- exclusively, and so I call it Perretología, which I'm not going to spell. It means dogology, but um, you, you can just find me if you look for Iren, which is spelled. Okay, let me spell Iren in English. It's A, um, I, R, no R. Oh my God, E and N. So if you search for that, because I made up that name, so it's not a common name. <laughs> so you can find me if you look for that on Instagram, and there you can like either DM me or you can also contact me like in my email, which is there. And yeah. Okay, Just- and I'm gonna I'll I'll link to that's some of that stuff in the show notes so that people don't have to, you know, like if they're driving right now, like don't, <laughs> you don't have to pull over, whip up pen and paper, you know, just go to the show I mean, notes. I mean, if you have to, you have to like, oh, oh true. pull over, don't do it. True, true. Working, I'm, what am I doing? saying? <laughs> like, and, and just pull over, I mean, write it down and hire her on the spot. I probably him, like sorry, charm. hire him. See, it's that's okay. what I'm doing. It's okay. Um, just uh, when you, by, by the way, if you misgender someone, you can just correct yourself and move on that this is an advice that I'm giving um, out to people because that happens and it's normal to misgender people sometimes. Just um, you correct yourself, you move on and you act like um, it's no big deal because it, it's a big deal. If you act like it's a big deal, then um, we have to have a conversation that m- many trans people don't want to have. So yeah, uh, what was I saying? Ah, yeah, that I probably charmed you to death. So if you absolutely need to like write down my name, do it and yeah, come visit me. I don't know, leash your cats too. <laughs> awesome. I didn't thank you so much for wanting to share your story on the podcast. It's thank been amazing. It was me. an awesome conversation. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.
You can find a link to the website with the show notes through either Instagram at the Russ Cattle Dog or through our Facebook group with the same name as the podcast, Rough Around the Edges. If you would like to come on the show and share your story with us, then you can also contact me through either of these channels. And last but not least, if you like listening to this podcast, then maybe consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the other platforms that you may be listening to this podcast on, because they help us get found in the listings, allowing us to reach more people and help them feel less alone.